Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. I do want to show you one more picture. While these young ladies were in the Philippines, I was a part of a mission trip to Scotland, and I just thought you'd like to see your pastor in a kilt. I would ask you, I would ask you not to whistle. Really, like one person whistled, so yeah, I wear it well. The thing, the thing about a kilt, and it, this is surprising because I've never won one, wore one before, or I've never won one before either. Uh, is how manly you feel in it. I mean, you really feel manly in a kilt. Uh, I did send a picture to my dad in West Texas, and we're, we're German by heritage, and he thought his youngest son has lost his soul to the devil, okay? So, so the reason I show you this picture, it's fun, but uh, we can take it down now. Let's, yeah, let's move on. Uh, interesting about kilts. Now, every clan in Scotland has its own particular colors and that's often called a tartan. But I didn't know this until going over there, that each tartan has three different appearances, and you wear a different combination of those colors depending on what you're doing. So there's a formal tartan, and it looks very dignified and very stately. Then you have, as a clan member, you would have a hunting tartan. And so this would be one, the colors would be a little more subdued so that as you're stalking your prey, right, they're not going to see you coming. And then... You've got your fighting tartan, and this is the one you wear when you go to war. And, and oddly enough, and we were staying with a, a member of the McLeod clan, it's a really bright, garish yellow, and you think, why would you want to wear bright colors going into combat? I mean, if you just imagine 100,000 Scotsmen coming over the hills wearing dresses, that would scare me too, right? Okay. It's meant to be intimidating, and I don't mean any cultural offense, just having some fun, but it's meant to be intimidating. So Jesus is going to talk about something this morning, and as He approaches this one topic, here's what He's going to do. He's going to show different colors. He's going to, in fact, He's going to show three different colors. He's going to show three different patterns. He's going to show three different approaches. Yes, I just worked this out so I could show a picture of me in a kilt, but it seems to work this morning. He's, he's going to show three different ways of understanding this very same thing. Now, follow me. Jesus starts the message on the mount by talking about character. This is something that we should deal with every day, what our character is becoming. Jesus moves from there to talk about our influence. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Use your character to be a positive influence on others. And he moves from there to talk about a Christian's righteousness. It's not about keeping the rules. It's about staying in a right relationship with God. Then he goes on from there to talk about Christian practices as we pray and as we fast and as we give. Now he's going to move into talking about Christian ambition. What is it that we live for? And we're actually going to take two weeks to talk about ambition because today we're going to talk about material wealth, money. Next week, we're going to talk about the underside of ambition, and it's called anxiety. We'll get to that next week. But as Jesus talks about material wealth, as He talks about money, again, He shows us three different pictures, three different patterns of understanding that same thing. Before we read, just listen to it. Listen to the words of the Master. Do not store up for yourselves 
treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now that we've listened, let's read, okay? Again, three different pictures that Jesus gives. By the way, I um, was privileged enough to see the Eagles in concert this week, and I was reminded of something that Don Henley said years ago. They've been together as a band for 52 years. How do you… By the way, was anybody else at the Eagles concert with me the other night? Okay. There's like eight of us. That's all right. Don't hold up your lighter back there. It's, it's, yeah. What was interesting is Don Henley years ago said, how do you sing the same song for 52 years? He said, when you're on the stage, you need to sing it every time like it's the first time. You really need to pay attention to what you're doing. So if you're like me, I've read these words a lot before. We've got to hear them like it's the first time, okay? So here's what Jesus is going to do. In these three different pictures, He's going to talk about money in terms of getting money, then he's going to talk about money and material wealth in terms of giving money. And that last picture, if you don't mind, I'm just going to let it dangle out there. We'll come to it at the end. So let's start with the first picture. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves scam you, they break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Interesting, the same word is used five times in this passage. It's the word treasure. That doesn't show up in our translation, but that, that phrase to store up for is the same root word as to treasure. So Jesus says, don't treasure the treasures of earth, but treasure the treasures of heaven. By the way, I love language. That Greek word is thesaurus, from which we get our English word thesaurus. It's a treasury of words. Jesus says, pay attention to what you are treasuring over and over and over again. He says that. So now here's what Jesus is not prohibiting. He is not prohibiting the enjoyment of material goods. Okay. In fact, there, there's a line of thought that says, well, the world, all the physical matter, that's evil. That's a Greek thought. That's not a Hebrew thought. God saw creation and saw that it was good. Listen, we are meant to enjoy life. The mother superior of Ireland was laying on her deathbed, and all the sisters were around her trying to comfort her in her last moments, and they gave her a cup of milk, and she refused the milk. She said, I, can you warm it up? So one of the nuns went to the kitchen to go warm it up, and there she remembered that she had been given some Irish whiskey for Christmas. So she warmed up the milk and gave a generous helping of the Irish whiskey, took it back to Mother Superior. She took a sip, then a gulp, and drained the whole thing. And all the nuns got around her and said, Mother, before you pass, give us some wisdom. And she said in her small 96-year-old voice, whatever you do, 
don't sell that cow. <laughs> You're welcome. That gives you a joke to share tonight, right? Okay. We are meant to enjoy life. Enjoy the goodness of life, friends. Don't feel bad because you feel good. Okay? Jesus also does not prohibit planning ahead. 2 Timothy 5 is absolutely clear. He who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. I've got a responsibility, as do you, to provide for our family, to do that best we must plan. Here's what Jesus is prohibiting that our enjoyment becomes idolatry. Get that? And, and uh, idolatry is when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing. What Jesus is prohibiting is not planning, but that what we're planning actually becomes the purpose of our lives. Another way of saying it is this. If your only goals in life are financial goals, you're missing the mark. And I'm not saying this with any kind of judgment, and I'm not pointing a finger at you, I'm kind of pointing it to me because I have my financial goals and I end up paying more attention to, to those than I do anything else. If our only goals are financial goals, we're missing on what Jesus is teaching here. We are to have some spiritual goals, some things that last forever. Your character, your relationship with the Lord, how you sacrifice for others, how you benefit the common good and glorify God in your life. In fact, another way of looking at it is the grave is the filter for whether something is temporal or eternal. One man tried to defeat this. Before he died, he gave $30,000 to his doctor in cash, $30,000 to his lawyer, $30,000 to his pastor. You know this is a joke, right? That's the way a good joke starts. So, man died, they put him in the ground, he made the request, take this money, when I'm in the ground, throw $30,000 in cash on my coffin. So they all did that, they all threw an envelope on his coffin, they all went out to eat afterwards, and the doctor was the first to confess. He goes, you know, we're raising money for a new clinic, so um, I, I just threw in $20,000 and I kept $10,000 for myself. The lawyer said, I'm so glad you said that, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of pro bono work lately, so... You know, I, I threw in 10000 I kept $20,000. Came around to the pastor. He goes, you guys are a bunch of crooks. I wrote a check for the entire $30,000. I can't believe you did that. Right? Now, the original joke had the lawyer being the bad guy, but I've known too many pastors in my time, all right? Listen, what's the subtext of that? He can't cash it. It does him no good whatsoever. Jesus is saying, let the grave be your filter. Here's a statement, maybe I need to say it a couple of times. Could it be that what we thought matters most actually matters least? And what we thought matters least actually matters most. Just, just think about that. That what we thought mattered most, net worth, value, goods, the appearance of success, what matters most, what we've thought matters most, actually matters least. And the things we thought mattered least, spiritual things, matter most. So Jesus talks about giving, oh, excuse me, getting. Here's the accumulation of wealth. Now he's going to change colors just a little bit and talk about giving, talk about generosity. The eye is the lamp of the body says this, and if, uh, this is verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. 
If your eyes are healthy, some translations say good, but actually the best translation is if your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, some translations say bad, I think the best translation is if your eyes are stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I think if we sit in here today and say, oh, my, my mind and my eyes are unclouded by material wealth, you're deceiving yourself. We live in the most affluent culture, not only currently, but historically. And so I think all of us need to wrestle and wrestle for a lifetime on what does it mean for me to see clearly as God wants me to see, and the way to do that is to practice generosity. It's too easy to think that somebody's net worth is their real worth. It's too easy to discount the voice of God in our life. For some of us, it's unfathomable that God may actually call me to take a job that's making less than my current salary. Or we tell our kids, don't care what you do, just make sure you have a great earning potential. Do you see how all of that can skew and darken obedience to God? So I saw in the Super Bowl, as you did, a set of commercials called He Gets Us, funded by kind of a Christian think tank. And as soon as we saw the first commercial, it was my wife who said, you know there are going to be people that complain that here's a Christian organization spending what we know to be millions of dollars on ads, and some Christians are going to complain about that. And sure enough, no sooner he said that, social media started lighting up. How many people could they have fed with this amount of money? So I did the math. He gets us. They did, I believe, two commercials, a total of 75 seconds. And on Super Bowl Sunday, that would cost them approximately $17.5 million. But, and by the way, this is not a comment about he gets us. This is a comment. I don't know much about the organization. I, it seems legit on the surface. Didn't do too much digging. This is not about the organization. This is about your heart. $17.5 million. But Americans spent gambling on the Internet, gambling on the Super Bowl, mostly over what Taylor Swift would be wearing, $23 billion. This organization spent $17.5 million. Americans wagered $23 billion. Do you see the hypocrisy? To look at an organization and go, well, think about how many people they could have fed. How about you look at yourself and go, how many people have I fed lately? And by the way, I... I've learned, and you probably have learned this as well, the people who complain the loudest are doing diddly squat. Did I just say diddly squat on Sunday morning? Yeah. <laughs> people that complain the loudest are actually doing least. There you go. That's a little bit better way of putting it. You know what? You can't control how other people spend their money. Don't focus on that. Let he gets us spend all the money that they want to. That's their money. This is not about them. That's a distraction. This is about you. What have you done to be generous? My encouragement to you is find something that the heart of God has made you passionate about and then stop at nothing to give all the resource you can to serve. And once you start being generous, you'll discover your vision begins to clear and you start seeing things about the world and things about God and things about your place in it that you would have never seen otherwise. So, 
Jesus is going to change colors on us one more time. He talks about here's about the accumulation of wealth. Here's about getting. Now here's about giving. This final one Jesus puts on is fighting colors. No one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus talks about getting. He talks about giving. He says, ultimately, money is about who will be your God. Who will be your God? Who will you really serve? It's a big United Fruit Company. They moved into South America. They were looking to buy 5,000 acres to grow bananas. Particular acreage they were looking at was owned, contested by two locals. Both the locals said that they owned it. So what did they do? Big corporation, they, they start pulling together lawyers, and they're going to find out who owns this and buy it. But there was a small, uneducated competitor over here, and that uneducated competitor couldn't afford all the high-powered legal counsel. And so this little local went quietly to the two contested landowners and bought the land twice. He bought it from each of them. And it was done. Part of the challenge of being a Christ follower is having a clean title on the soul. Who does my soul really belong to? And then when you discover it's compromised, and for all of us, I think it'd be honest to say that it is, to take action and do something about it, to free yourself, and to start serving the Lord with our resources. So here's where I get to the application, and here's where I'm just going to be very direct with you. I want to talk about how we practice generosity in this church. First of all, let's talk about money. To tithe is to be obedient to the Lord. I'm not shaking a finger at anybody. And I know the conversation of, well, you know, once I get to a certain criteria, once I get to a certain threshold, then I'll start giving. I've learned from experience that there's no time like the present, and it's never going to get any easier to give than what it is today. And so let me encourage you Give 10% of what you make. This is all countercultural. We live in a world that people can't live off 120%. I'm asking you to live off 90%. God's asking us to live off 90% and then give 10% away to where you see God at work. If you see Him at work here, give here. I also practiced something last year that I should be doing more often just to say, how are we doing financially as a church? I'll tell you right now, we're doing fine. We're paying the bills. We're funding the ministries that God has called us to do. But just this week, we began to, to play around with a couple of ideas about how we increase our digital presence in the world beyond these walls and what we do in student ministry. And of course, the first question that's asked is, how are we going to pay for this? So I want you to know we're doing fine. But I believe God has called us to do more. And so, I'm not asking you to give because the church needs it. And we, can, we could use it. We will use it. I'm asking you to give because you need it. You need that opportunity to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Our money reveals our priorities. The way you spend your money, what does it really say about your relationship with God? Second, let's talk about time. And please, I'm not bragging, but I've reached a point in my life where time is worth more than money to me. Now, I need money to live, we all do, but, but time has become a more valued commodity because the days and years are so short. So here's why I want to challenge us to give our time. And by the way, I'm just going to lob off a nice, easy softball here for us. March 24th, 
is Palm Sunday. It's the day before Easter. We're going to do something on that day to literally give our time with where we say our priorities are, and, and this is a pretty easy one, okay? So on that Sunday, here's what I'm asking you to do, and it's five weeks away, I believe. Show up on that Sunday ready to worship. Our mission as a church is to glorify God. We do that through relationships. Our relationship with Him comes first. Then show up on that day to do community. That's the second relationship we have to glorify God. We, we are in community with other Christians. And by the way, if you're not in a community, you're not in a community group, this would be a pretty good open house Sunday just to try one out. So our relationship with God glorifies Him. Our relationship with other Christians glorify Him. And then our relationship with the world as we serve we have partnered with an organization called Feed My Starving Children. The church has paid for all the resources for food to be brought in. And on that morning, as volunteers, we will pack 101,000 meals that will go out to children all over the planet, the poorest of the poor. They, they work with multiple ministries, including Compassion International, to take food to the poorest of the poor. I'm not asking you to sign up for this as a community group. Don't do it. Do this as an individual. And I'm going to give you a little coaching here in just a minute. But you see, on one Sunday, this is kind of practicing what we preach. We say worship is important. We say community is important. We say service is important. Do all of those to remind yourself, I am here to give myself away in relationships to God and others the world. If I could coach you for just a moment because we have sign up that's already available through our online portal. We're going to do two shifts that, that morning. They're going to be about an hour and 45 minutes each shift. So the first one will be from 8 to 9.45. That means you could show up at 8 and serve, then go do community, and then come worship right here during this time. If you have small kids, that's when we're encouraging you to serve at that 8 o'clock time period. Um, kids as young as 5 can serve. And so do this, model service together as a family. Second session starts at 9.45 to 12.30. If you have students, if you have youth, I would encourage you to do this part because you can come to worship at 8.30 and then 9.45, go to community group, and then from there, excuse me, 10.45 to 12.30, then go and serve. Let's put our time where we say our priorities lie. And let's do this together to worship, to do community, to serve. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. And then here's one more application. Think about what you do with your money. Think about what you do with your time. Think about what you do with your prayer life. If you're like me, the gravitational pull to pray for myself it seems never-ending, right? I always kind of turn and, and pull in on myself. What might your prayer life look like? if you start praying for people insatiably. It is one of the best things you can do, and it's absolutely free for the having to call God's blessings on others. And by doing that, you might just see the clouds lift, the vision clear, your heart belong to God, and people's eternities change. So as Cormac McCarthy, uh, his unknown writer, and then in 1992, he wrote a book called All the Pretty Horses, and then later on, he wrote No Country for Old Men, and overnight, he was a sensation. He became a popular figure. He wrote all of his books on a little uh, Olivetti typewriter that he bought at a Knoxville pawn shop for $50. It 
get this, he wrote five million words on that typewriter. I think he wrote more words than I've ever read. All right. He wrote five million words on that typewriter, $50 pawn shop typewriter. Celebrity auction a few years ago, that typewriter sold for $250,000. But it was still the same seemingly cruddy little typewriter. What made the difference? The master had touched it. Listen, you might say, I- I'm, I'm not a big deal, I'm nobody big, and, and you're right. But when God gets a hold of your life and he gets a hold of your generosity, great wealth can be found. Let's stand together and let's pray together. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and may God grant you peace both now and forever. Amen.